and welcome to the Destiny Prague podcast. Our heart is to see people empowered by the love of Jesus and activated by the power of the Holy Spirit. We believe that the Word of God is still relevant today, and we trust that this message will bless you, challenge you, and fill your heart and mind with the truth of who God is and who you are in Christ. We believe that God has a plan for your life, and we want to journey a road of discipleship with you as you discover who He has called you to be. If you'd like to connect with us, check out our website at destinychurch.cz. Let's go. Okay, quick caveat. I'm going to preach my heart out this morning. God's put a word on my heart that will probably offend some, maybe, hopefully, um, but hopefully that it will provoke and challenge you this morning. But the, the, the prayer of my heart this morning is that we get this word. We really get this word. We're going to be speaking about authority in Christ Jesus. Firstly, the authority that he has. Secondly, who we are in him, right? And how we do life in that authority. And I'm really excited about it. Second caveat is, over the last while, I've realized that the Lord has gripped my heart for his word. And when I preach it, I get really emotional. And every time I'm up here, and I apologize when I get a bit teary, so if you see the eyes sparkling, it's just Holy Spirit doing his thing this morning. Just ignore it. It's not a show. I just really get emotional when I um, speak about the word of God. It is so powerful. It is so transformative this morning. Um, before we get into it, I just felt this this morning during the prayer group. I want to just speak it over you guys this morning, and then we're going to pray. In 2 Kings 6, Elisha is doing a good job at making the Armenian people really upset because he's a prophet at the time to Israel. And for some reason, whenever the king of Aram decides to make a plan to advance on Israel, Elisha over there in his full anointing is somehow just knowing what the plans of the enemy are, and he's feeding that back to the king. And the king of Aram is getting really, really, really upset with this, right? How do they know what we're going to do? How do they know how we're going to attack them? How do they know how we're going to rally our armies? Oh, this Elijah, I want him. I want to capture him. And I love this. I'm going to read from verse 14. The king of Aram. Verse 14. Sorry, my eyes are bad. Just got me this new Bible, and the font is a bit bigger, which is helpful. As I get older, my eyes are worse. Then he sent horses. This is the king of Aram, Aram to attack Israel. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God, this is Elijah's servant, got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Israel unprepared. Aram wants to take Elisha. And all of a sudden he wakes up, he takes a stroll outside the servant, as he probably did most mornings, and he sees an array of chariots and the armies on the outside. Right? How does Elisha respond? Verse 16, don't be afraid. The prophets answered, those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Can we underline that in our Bibles? Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And he wasn't talking about physical persons. He wasn't talking about men with shield and sword. And Elijah did this. He prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked 
and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around, all around Elisha. As the enemy came down towards them, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike this army with blindness. So he struck them with blindness as Elijah had asked. Elijah told them, this is not the road and this is not the city. Follow me. And basically Elijah, so God blinds this army, right, that's come to attack him. He then guides them on a completely different road into Samaria. He holds them captive there. It's a long story. It's a beautiful story. But we're going to be talking about authority this morning. And you need to realize that when we look at this passage, Elijah didn't get nervous. He didn't get worried because he didn't see things the way the world saw things. He didn't fight the way the, enemies, the enemy fought. He fought a different type of battle. He fought in the spiritual, right? And I just love how beautiful it is. And I want to pray this over you this morning that he asked for his servant's eyes to be opened because everything is spiritual. We're going to look at that in a moment. And we sing about the Lion of Judah fighting our battles. But then we walk out of here. We walk out of here preaching to myself. And we want to contend in our own, our own flesh, our own strength, our own abilities. We need to learn who we are in Christ Jesus this morning. Father, I just want to pray over your body this morning. I just felt like we needed to declare this over some people this morning. Father, we are the head, not the tail. We are seated with you. We dine with you. We can come into your presence because of Christ Jesus. Victory was had at the cross. Father, the fight that we fight is different. We fight with tools, spiritual weapons, Lord. And some people this morning need to hear that. That you've been contending too long in the physical. You are tired. You are burnt out. You are weary. You are anxious. You are fearful. You're done. I'm telling you now, you need to hear this word this morning. Who you are in Christ Jesus. You need to learn that you have authority to take control of your own circumstances. You have the authority to control the environments around you in the spiritual. And Father, we want to contend this morning with the tools and the weapons that you've given us to see our situations change, to see Prague saved, Lord, to see this nation come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, to call out the revival that's in the culture in this city, Father. We want to get out of this circle of just wallowing in our own things. And Father, the enemy wants to keep us there. Church, the enemy wants to keep you in self-reflection and bound in this thing. He's given you authority through Jesus Christ this morning to change any circumstance that you find yourself in today. Father, may you remove the veil from our eyes to see the world how you see things, to see that the Lion of Judah is contending for us. He is fighting our battles, Lord. May we become a people that know when to call on the name of the Lord and how to call on the name of the Lord. Father, I ask that you just, I just ask that you just open the heavens this morning for your people to see you, to hear you. I want to pray against any deaf and dumb spirit in the room this morning. In Jesus' name. This word will take root in the heart and it will bring about transformation. It will bring deliverance. It will set people free this morning. It will liberate people this morning. And I want to pray for joy to fill this room this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.
So we're talking about authority. Um, there's two things that I really, really love, and for those that know me a lot, it's the one, understanding the character of God. Because when you really understand him, I think your view on life changes, big time. The second thing is for people to have and understand their identity in Christ Jesus. That you are called as a child of God, you're a son and a daughter of God. And when you know God and you know Jesus, and you know the authority and you understand his kingdom, and it, that connects with who you are as a child of God, then you understand that life in the spiritual is very different for you, right? Because you don't live on the outside of the kingdom once a week, walk into the kingdom walls and do your shopping. No, you're in the kingdom. I even just went to John this week. We were saying, my father has many, um, in my father's house, there are many rooms. In the King James, it says many mansions. And I'm going there to prepare a place for you, right? So even Jesus was already saying, like, you're already there in the spiritual places, right? You're already in the father's house. You already dine, right, with heavenly hosts. That is who you are. When you look at the word of God, that's how Jesus looks at you. That's how he refers you. That's how he calls you. And he's going ahead to prepare and has already prepared those things for you. But back on earth, we just live life and survive. <laughs> I think this morning it needs to drop. As we say in English, the penny needs to drop. It needs to move from this, like, yes, I'm a child of God. Yes, I'm not a slave to sin. All these things that we sing over and over and over, right? It needs to drop to yeah. And when it drops to yeah, and you start to live like a king's child, you start to live in the authority. And there's a big difference, by the way, between having authority and being arrogant. I want to be very clear on that. Because even Jesus humbled himself to serve, washed his disciples' feet in the final hour. Right? So let's start here. When we talk about authority, we need to understand it's not about us at all. In fact, we're just a conduit. But before I get into this word, we talk about baptism a lot in this church, full submersion by water. Why is this important? Because when you go under the water, it's not just symbolic. I believe it's spiritual. When you go under the water, you die to your old self, right? Don't lose me yet. You die to your old self. And like Christ was resurrected, you're resurrected in him. That's why we say the old is gone and the new has come. The word says you're a new creation. You're born into the family. He doesn't see the old Delaura, the old Michael, thank goodness. You know, just kidding. But this is important. Sometimes we go through these motions and we don't understand what it means, but it is powerful. Because you take on a new identity. And when you understand that identity, you start to live life out differently. But it's because of him. It's all because of him. And he needs to get the glory. Always he needs to get the glory. If he doesn't get the glory, you're doing it wrong. Jesus has been given all authority. End of story. I want to spend some time on this very quickly. Hebrews 1 verse 1. I always feel when I start with the scripture in chapter one, it's like I never really get to the end of the book. But there's just so much power in the first couple of books or first couple of chapters of most of these books. But Hebrews 1 verse 1, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed 
heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. This is important because when you read the book of Hebrews, it even tells us that for a little time, I don't want to get too theological this morning, but for a little time, Jesus was below the angels. What does that mean? It means that he was fully man, right? He was fully man, and that was all part of the plan. Because when he died, right, as a man, taking the sin of the world upon him, right, all of our sin, and then rising again, you see straight away when that happens, He's now given all authority in heaven and in earth, right? And everything is under that one name. So when you read the book of Hebrews, you actually start to understand the divine and intentional power of the gospel in Jesus Christ and the victory that he has. And you start to understand all power and authority in that one name. That's why I said this morning, and you will see in a moment that you have authority in Christ Jesus. If you've called upon him as Lord and Savior of your life, right? You have free access to him. I'm telling you now. You don't need Donovan to contend for your situation. You don't need Jessica. And goodness knows you're going to wait six weeks to get hold of us anyway. But the same Holy Spirit that we have, you have. Because when you call upon his name, he is you. And he looks at you as a son and a daughter. And man, I've got two boys now. The only reason I do what I do in life is for them. My whole existence is for them, right? I work hard for, because I want them to have the best of everything. And even the word says, if your earthly fathers know how to give good gifts, how much more will your heavenly father give? Come on. Matthew 28, 18. Then Jesus came to them, this is the disciples, and said... All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, says Jesus. Therefore, so here's the action. Because I have all the authority, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And I love this. And surely I am with you always. To the very end of the age. You see, Jesus didn't come and say, I have the authority for you 12. Now go and do this. Because those 12 wouldn't last all the days. And they wouldn't last to the very end of the age. But Jesus is speaking to us here saying, I am with you. I will go with you. Take my authority. I commission you to go. Right? Operate in what I've got for you. As I was preparing this and just going through Hebrews and just trying to understand and position his authority and the power of the cross and how Jesus had to die and how God repositioned him with all authority and then commissioned his people, I was just taken back to Exodus when Moses is saying, who should I say that you are? And God responds with, I am. I am. And I felt in a moment, it's like something resonated in me going, I am is inside me the great i am the author and perfecter of our faith the full radiance of god's glory the exact representation lives in me it says the whole universe is sustained by him lives in you 
then why do we live life defeated? Why do we walk out of here feeling like we just survive? Because that's not who we are. It's not who we are. Something needs to click in our hearts. Something needs to click between the spiritual and the physical in our lives. Because when we live a life with a spiritual lens and we contend for spiritual things in a spiritual way, they manifest themselves in the natural, right? So I don't walk into my workplace and go, oh, that's just the culture. I'm never going to be able to change that. I don't. I contend in a spiritual way to see those things manifest in the physical. So I get on my knees and I pray for my team and I pray for my workplace and I pray for pipeline and I pray for the right type of work and I pray for the right type of talent, right? And things start to change. Why? Because I'm seated in heavenly places, right? I died. The part of me that used to contend in the natural died with Christ Jesus. So I don't operate the same way that I used to. Amen? Are you with me? Is it too much? Jesus has all the authority this morning. Jesus came, he died. He rose again. He reconciled us to the Father. You are righteous. You are righteous this morning. I don't care if you walked in here this morning feeling like filth, right? If Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior this morning, you are righteous. Not because of anything you can do. Not because of how many good things you did this weekend or how many charities you serve or how much you generously give even to this institution. It's who you are. It's who you are. And he does not change, the word of God says. In Ephesians, we see we're called co-heirs with Christ Jesus. Throughout the scriptures, we're called brothers and sisters. It mentions that we're part of the same family. It mentions that we all have the same father, right? In Father God. In Hebrews 2, out of the message, verse 11, both Jesus who sanctifies and those who are sanctified that is spiritually transformed, made holy, and set apart for God's purpose, are all from one Father. For this reason, he is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. Right? You are a brother and a sister. Friends, we need to start living like king's kids. When we sing songs like, I am a child of God, or the Lion of Judah is fighting my battles, it's not childish or clever rhymes. We spend hours preparing for a Sunday, right? Often we just sing these things, but these things have meaning. It's a declaration. When we sing, I am a child of God, we love that song. I am a child of God. I'm not a slave to fear. Has anyone ever thought, like, what is that really saying? Hey? Or do we just like the melody and we kind of... Bounce along with it, or like me with two left feet, I just sway my hips. <laughs> it's not clever rhymes. It's not some clever Christian somewhere in the world trying to monetize some music through a channel that is the church. It's a declaration of the authority given to you as a child of the Most High God. When I sing that word, because I know who God says I am, I'm teary now. I'm singing 
He's fighting my battles, and I can't actually get the words out of my mouth because I know that he is. I'm convinced that he is. I live every day like that. So when I'm singing that, I'm getting choked up because he overcomes me in those situations. And when I sing, I am a child of God, it's a reminder to me of who I am. That you dwell in his presence. You live in his kingdom. You have full access to him and all that his kingdom offers you have his love and grace extended towards you. You have full access to his armies and his resources. You are not a noble living in the kingdom walls. You're not a worker in its city. You don't come to the kingdom to buy your groceries and then go back to peasant living on the outside of the walls. Listen to what I'm saying. Let this wash over you this morning. You are seated in heavenly places. You dine at the king's table. You enjoy his company. You bask in his glory. You have a room in God's house that Jesus has prepared for you in John 14. You can go read it yourself. You are the head, not the tail. Deuteronomy 28, go read it. Your enemies are under your feet. And by real theology, just to get some of you thinking, you are even above the angels. Do you ever think of yourself like that? Do you ever think that from a spiritual perspective, you have the authority to command angels? That's why we don't get scared of the demonic. There's no need to be. They have to submit to you because of Christ that's in you. This is going over your heads this morning. We don't like to preach wishy-washy, feel-good messages here at Destiny. It doesn't move us. It doesn't propel us. It doesn't change anything. We don't want to fill seats in this church with people that don't know who they are in Jesus Christ. It's the reason why Jesus took 12 and not 2,000. But do you feel like that? Do you have a life that radiates who you are? I'm asking you. I ask myself this question. When I have a tough, and listen, there's no promise in the word of God that says you won't go through hard times. <laughs> in fact, I think the more you step into this, the harder things become. But you fight differently. You contend differently. Right? When you don't have money, ah, so what? It's just a resource. When you understand who God is, that he owns the cattle of a thousand hills, right? It's just a resource. It's just a tool. You know, we moved into this building, into this room. It's full now. Take a look around you. It's full. We were 20 people, 25 people, 30 people. I don't know. We couldn't afford it. We really could not afford it. We moved in here over the summer. Right, which is the worst time. Most churches actually shut down in the summer in Prague. There's just no people. We moved in here the summer, couldn't afford the rent. Our leadership said to you, they did a quick balance sheet exercise for those that are doing any accounting, and they said this is, makes no sense logically, right? In the natural, um, we'll give you three months. You can have church here for three months. After that, we've exhausted our finances, and um, we have to move location. By month two. More than enough provision, right? So much so that even the people that own this building are Christians. And for free, they gave us the room downstairs. They gave us a room across the way, right? And look at the room now. It's full. We probably need to move again, right? Amen. This is God's kingdom. This is God's kingdom. Do we live a life like that? Do we step into risk situations like that? Do we step into conflict situations knowing that he's fighting our battles, that he's contending, right? Do we step into, into difficult spiritual situations, right? 
with that in mind, do you believe this morning that he is above depression? Now I'm asking the hard questions. Do you believe that he is above sickness? That he is above evil forces, anxiety? For women hitting their 30s, do you believe that he is a partner for you? I meant that facetiously, he does, I believe it, unless you're called to celibacy, which I know a lot of you, that's probably not your calling. But sometimes, I'm not, I'm not kidding, I've got a sister, she's 32 now, 30, 35, she got... <laughs> we speak more regularly than that. But I know, I know the fear you carry, right? I don't want to end up alone. I'm being dead serious. These are real life things. Do we know who we are in Christ Jesus? Do we know the power and authority we have in our prayer life to contend for these things? Right? Luke 10, very quickly. Maybe I should paraphrase this. In Luke 10, Jesus sends out the 72. Now, I love this passage because he's not sending out the 12. Why is this important? Because they don't have names. We don't know who they are. What we do know is that Jesus has been performing some miracles. He's just fed the 5,000. And there are people around him that are watching. They're watching. And all of a sudden, out of this group, he sends 72 of them. And this is what he says. <laughs> is that bad? Okay. He sends 72. I want to read it very quickly. Uh, here we are. Luke 10. Sorry, guys. Uh, is it uh, just before Revelation? Feeds the 5,000, declares, transfigure. Sorry. Uh, anyway, I'll just paraphrase. Are there 72? Yeah. After this, the Lord appointed seven. So, chapter 10, um, Luke 10. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others, sorry, 72 others, and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them this, the harvest is plentiful, this is the words of Jesus, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Go, he says, I am sending you out like lambs amongst the wolves, right? In Matthew we read, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So, Go into all the world and make disciples. Same thing here. Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals. Do not greet anyone along the road. Keep focus. Keep the mission. When you enter a house, first say, peace come to this house. If someone promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wage. Do not move around from house to house. Clear instructions Jesus is giving them. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets, dust off, dust off your feet. Right? He's saying, go there, heal the sick. Go there and do my work. Not go there and ask like, Lord, if you, if you could maybe... It would be great, like this person's really not well. You never see that in the word of God. Because in the authority of Christ Jesus, there is a commissioning to go, right? 
We can read in Matthew 17. There's all sorts of stuff about they will not harm you, right? You will drink poison. You will do all these things. He's trying to explain to them that you have authority in Christ Jesus, right? When he's in your corner, when he's contending for you, you don't need to worry about these things. Just go and do my work. Just go and live life as I've planned and I've destined it for you. You know what happens to these 72? Check this out. The 72 returned in verse 17 with joy. This morning in the prayer group, I prayed for joy. Because this week, the Lord said to me, we don't radiate his joy. If we truly know who we are and live a life acceptable to him as he's planned for us, I believe there needs to be joy in our life. Now, not the fake manifestation of happy, clappy people on a Sunday. I'm talking real joy. I'm talking that when life gets really, really hard, really hard, not that you're clipping your heels and being all weird about it. We're human beings, but there's a peace and there's something in you that says, you know what? This is just a bump in the road because there's a joy in my life because I know who I am and it's going to take some time and it's not a great situation or season to walk through, but there's a joy. I'm not spiraling into depression or anxiety. There's a peace and a joy in my life, even when it gets tough. Lord, may that joy rest on us this morning, Father, the joy of our salvation. And they said to him, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name, a random 72. I don't think they spent years with Jesus because most of the 12 spent a year, two years, two and a half years. So I imagine these are people maybe have spent weeks, maybe months with Jesus, right? Moving around, not engaging with him one-on-one, -on -one, just seeing what he's doing. He commissions them out in his authority. And he says this, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. This is what he says to people that probably have known him for less time than most of us have known him. Amen? There's an authority that you have as a child of God. Often when we think of people with real authority in the Bible, we think of the disciples. Really, Delara, is it time? In Matthew 17, and I love this, we see Jesus rebuking the disciples. They were just people too, like you and me, just learning. They couldn't subdue the demonic in a particular circumstance. And you see Jesus getting really upset. And the tone is almost like, come on. I've spent so much time with you. Don't you know who you are? Don't you know who I am? Right? The Lord says to David in Psalm 110, rule in the midst of your enemies. Rule in the midst of your enemies. David was about to go into battle. It was going to be tough. There was going to be sword and shield. Right? He never ever said to, to David, don't worry. I'll take care of everything. You just sit back and chill. No, it was going to be tough. It was time to get down, pull up a sword and get fighting. But he said, rule in the midst of your enemies. See, everything is spiritual. I'm going to tell you this. There is a war happening for your soul in the spiritual realm. Don't lose me. This is not weird. This is real. This is real. There is a spiritual realm. That's why we die to self in the natural. 
raised with Jesus in the spiritual. You have a spiritual being and you have a physical being, right? And there is a war, just like Elijah, when he prayed um, for his servant to see, and he could see the spiritual for a moment, and he could see the chariots of fire, right? That is real. It is very real. And there is a war for your soul. Why? Because when the enemy keeps you distracted, right? When he keeps you wallowing in self-pity, right? He keeps you away from your purpose and your destiny in Christ Jesus. Because Lord knows the enemy does not want you to know who you are in the kingdom. He does not want you to come to the full understanding of who you are in Christ Jesus. Why? And we could just look across the texts. Waters parted. I saw an Instagram post of scientists still. They're talking about history proving how the Red Sea was parted and lifted and how they changed the architecture um, of that landscape at the time, right? Like dating back, like these things really happened. Jesus curses a fig tree because it doesn't bear fruit and he's hungry. Weird story. It doesn't really seem like Jesus. But they go, they go do some work and they come back and Peter sees that the fig tree is withered. And Jesus uses it as an example to teach them that whatever you ask in my name will be done. He says, if you speak to that mountain and you tell it to move, it will be done. And I love that story because it's a physical manifestation of the request. There is power and authority given to us through Jesus Christ. Everything is spiritual. There, in the spiritual, there is contending for your soul. When I wrote this, Philip, I thought of you, my friend, this week. I said, this man can testify. He can testify for you. Speak to him over a couple of coffee. He knows how the enemy had him, right? This man has risen up and he's taken authority in his own life. Let me tell you something, that man's a powerhouse in the Czech Republic. He doesn't know it yet, or maybe he does know it yet, but God's working through you, my friend. I see many, many behind you that will come to the knowledge of Christ Jesus because who you are. But for years you were caught up. The enemy had you blinded. He had you entangled in his web of lies and deceit. He rendered something so far from God as power. But Philip, by the grace of God, is taking authority in his own life. Bless you, man. See, the enemy wants to keep you bound up. Even now, as I speak this, some of you are letting the game. You're pretty bored. You're not hearing it. Worrying about the vibration in your pocket. I know. I've sat in many churches. You have the authority over every spiritual situation. Personally, in the city, in this nation, globally, you have the authority. You have the power in prayer. I've got a colleague at work. I'm gonna be, I'll be done in a moment. I've got a colleague at work, good, good friend of mine. He's one of my senior managers. And I love him very much, not a believer. But the other day I jump on a call with him and I ask him how he is. And he says, he's not well. Um, and he says, yeah, I went for an MRI and I have a tumor in my stomach. Right? 
And in that moment, it's like, something in my spirit's like, I've got the answer to that. His name is Jesus. And I believe it because it's in His Word. And He commands me to go and heal the sick. But straight away, and I'm just human, straight away, I'm filled with these thoughts of, what if I do and He's not healed? Hey? What if I do and it's weird? Ethically, am I allowed to in the workplace? Is there a policy on this? Should I be doing that? Am I overstating my, my position as management? I can, I can list 20, 30 reasons why I didn't pray for that gentleman that day. And then I started preparing this message. And in a beautiful way like the Holy Spirit always does. He just said this to me. Who am I to stand in the way of what God wants to do in his life through me? What if God does heal him? What if God does heal him? He's a man of influence. He leads a team of 25 people. He's confused with his gender. What if God does heal him? How does that change his view on so many things in his life, right? Who am I to stand in the way of what God wants to do in his life? Because when you start to realize the authority you have in Christ Jesus, you start to realize the authority that Jesus has, the commission, I start to realize my position as a son and a daughter is it's not about me at all. It's not about me. He's saying, go and do this. Don't worry about anything else. Just go and do this thing, right? But it's the buck stops with me. What if God does heal him? What if God uses the pure act of obedience to build a trusted, caring relationship in my workplace with this brilliant individual? Who am I to rob this person of encountering my God firsthand? Sometimes it's easy to do it here when the expectation is clear. But this is the challenge to a lot of us and the challenge to me this week as well. There are people that we meet on our day to day you have Jesus Christ. You have authority because of He that lives in you. I think we need some boldness in the room. We need some faith to rise up in the room. Martin Yana will go walk the streets, right? They'll go walk the streets. Let me tell you, there's going to be a lot of need. There's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of mistruth being sowed in this reality. Each of you carry the answer. I'm not sure we're going to pull 60 people to that group. Unfortunately. You see, believers that understand who they are in Christ Jesus don't live a victim mentality. They live a victor's mentality. You hear what I'm saying? Believers in Christ Jesus are not victims. When I walk out of here, I don't go, oh, but I'm, you know, and I, that's not, that's not God's purpose and plan for your life. You have a victor's mentality over every situation. In fact, we should be so far past our situations and declaring victory in other people's situations. Amen? They have answers to their problems. It's found on your knees at the feet of Jesus. They are full of joy. They are full of joy because His burdens are light, He says. His plans for you are good to prosper you, not to harm you. If that is His plans and purpose and destiny for you, you can't walk out of here heavy laden and carrying the world on your shoulders. We're doing something wrong. 
and I'm not dismissing. I lost my father to clinical depression. I've seen it firsthand, right? But he is the answer to every situation. I know it. People that know who they are in Christ Jesus, I'll end on this. Constantly measure their lives against the fruits of the Spirit. You need to know the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. You know what the opposite of these things are? Hatred, misery, despair, fear, anxiety, cruelty, abuse, evil, no willpower. Can't control your urges and desires. Right? I want you to do yourself a favor. Look at your lives. Measure yourselves against the fruit of the Spirit. Is the Spirit in you producing those things in you? The language coming out of your mouth, is it a language of love or is it hate? Do you carry a tongue of racism? Do you just think about the general day-to-day -day stuff? Are you saturated in the Spirit? Is it transforming everything that comes out of you? Are you gentle? Are you quick to anger? Hmm? Do you not have time for people? Are you urgent in everything? Maybe patience is something we need to be working on. But God's got us on a journey for sure, so don't be disheartened, but pray and contend into these areas. Oh.